Oh, hi. Hey. Oh, I don't need that. My foot is okay, so thank you, though. <laughs> I've been there, done that, actually. Good morning, everybody. My name's Janelle, and I'm speaking here this morning. That's why I have this microphone. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Has anybody ever heard of COVID before? Yeah, okay. Uh, all of us, I assume. But if you haven't, come talk to me. I'd love to know what your life is like. Um, it's interesting, you know, COVID affects pretty much all of us at this point. And this week I was watching my four-year-old nephew, and he's this little redhead. He's so stinking cute. And he told me I was supposed to hang out with my friend tonight, but he has COVID and now he's in quarantine. And I was like, wow, those are really big words for a four-year-old to not only be able to say, but to know what they mean. And, you know, it was sad to me because this is something he wasn't thinking anything up. For him, as far as he could remember, this was kind of always how life was. And, you know, a few months ago, both of my kids tested positive for COVID and they got really sick. And I just remember that moment we saw that there was a positive test of just like, oh my gosh, you know, the stress and anxiety of that moment. I don't know anybody else, if anybody else felt that way when they've personally gone through it or know people who've gone through it, where I'm like, okay, we got to cancel plans with our friends. I got to call the school. You know, my daughter missed out on a performance she was supposed to do. It just felt really overwhelming. And, and what's the right thing and what's the wrong thing and how are we supposed to navigate this? It was hard to wrap my brain around the change of plans, and it was just kind of overwhelming. And I, <laughs> I say this fully aware that I'm in a room full of people that we all have different ways of handling COVID. You know, within this room alone, there might be a hundred different ways in which we choose to fight or ignore COVID. And I say that to say today we're going to be learning about Jesus and his interaction with someone who was contagious and sick. And at that time and in that culture, there was but one way that that was treated. In Leviticus, God used Moses to give a lot of commandments and a lot of laws to the Israelite people. So this goes way back, a long ways, the rules that were being followed at that culture and at that time that Jesus was there. And those rules were very strict and they were very clear. And they were clear about contagious illnesses like leprosy, which could include a variety of things, but we would think of it as like a contagious skin disease and one that when you get it, it does not go away. And these laws were important because not only were these laws used to help the Israelites be set apart from everybody else in the world, they were used as a way for them to show obedience to God, obedience to God and his plan and his way for things that they should be going. They were used as an emphasis for clean and unclean. You know, if you had leprosy, you were unclean. If you ate these certain foods or did certain things, you would become unclean. And there was always ways and steps laid out for how to be made clean again. But the thing with leprosy is you don't get to take those steps to be made clean again. Because when you have leprosy, that's forever. That's your life. The closest thing I could think of to this day present-day situation would be like a life sentence in prison. And maybe a life sentence in prison for someone who's innocent. You know, I, I imagine living at that time and being with my family and maybe wake, wake up one day and you see something on your arm. And you think, oh my gosh, this isn't that, is it? It's something else. You know, maybe like in the zombie movies where they cover it up like, I'm fine. <laughs> and then you realize 
It is what it, I think it is. And where I live, I'm going to have to leave my family. I'm going to say goodbye to my kids, and I'm not, never going to touch them again. I'm leaving my job. I'm leaving all hopes and dreams I had for a future. It's all going away, and it's never coming back. Ever. And where before leprosy, maybe someone was really wealthy and they didn't have to depend on others. After leprosy, you are forced to live outside the city gates. You cannot live in the city with people because this is contagious. We can't let other people get this. So you live outside of the city gates. You don't get to work for food. You beg for food. Where the CDC may change the amount of time that we quarantine or self-isolate, these were unchanging rules. You had to stay a far distance away from people. You covered your face with fabric before it was cool. <laughs> and they would shout as people walked near them, unclean, 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 so that there was no doubt who these people were interacting with. No longer does someone with leprosy have a say about where they live. They don't have a say about what they eat. They're forced to just survive off the scraps and the donations of the generous people around them. Imagine living outside those city gates. Imagine hearing the sounds of a town, of a market, of people that you once belonged to that you no longer get to live near anymore. I wonder if some people would daydream, gosh, if I got a second chance, I know exactly what I'd do. I'd go to this place and eat this hot dog. Or maybe they wouldn't eat hot dogs, but, you know, they would do something. <laughs> or, or maybe there was people saying, please don't daydream. It's just going to break my heart all over again. So this is the context for what we're reading today. Yay! <laughs> but it gets better. <laughs> today we're going to be reading Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Last week we read verses 1 through 10, and Jesus talked about the importance of intentional forgiveness and intentional humility. He shared that faith the size of a mustard seed could change the world. The verses ended, the section of verses ended with a parable and Jesus comparing us to servants. That after we are done serving, should go to the master and say we are unworthy servants who have simply done our job. That's what he compares us to. That's what he tells all of us in this room we should be saying. Which could be like, mm, yeah, I don't really want to do that. Is there a Jesus where I'm like, like a queen instead of a servant? Is there one that tells those kinds of things? The parable, like most things Jesus is talking about, is trying to get to our heart. It's about looking at our own hearts, not our neighbors, because that's so much easier, looking at our neighbors. Yeah, they really need that. No, it's for ourselves. Looking at our own hearts and making it clear. Jesus is making it clear that even if we are as, as faithful as can possibly be, that never puts God in our debt. It's about intentional humility and service to God without expectation of a reward. So let's go ahead and start reading verse 11. It says, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. Remember, because that's the law. They were crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them 
And he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. So that's something where I feel like knowing the context of this makes it a lot more powerful. It's not just like, oh, good for them. You know, you got like a scratch and that's gone. No, this was their whole lives are changed. So Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem with his disciples. And he came across these men with leprosy who are following the rules of the Old Testament. They're staying at a distance and they're crying out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And at this point, Jesus tells these men to go present themselves to the priests. And that is part of the Old Testament law. In the Old Testament law, it wasn't just enough to have your skin disease go away. You go with your skin disease gone away, which doesn't happen before, but whatever ailment you have, you present yourself to the priest. They examine you. They look you over. And based on the rules that were provided for Moses way back in Leviticus, they determine whether you are clean or unclean. We don't get to decide for ourselves. They didn't get to decide for themselves that they were clean or unclean. It was the priest who had to do that. There's something about verse 14 where it says he looked at them. Jesus looked at them. I get kind of emotional seeing that, picturing that moment. Jesus did not simply walk by, wave his hand like, yes, you're clean, keep going. He looked at them. He acknowledged them. He was intentional about recognizing their existence. And he went beyond that to treat them with compassion. I can imagine that if I were a disciple, (laughs) I would easily be looking past these people. You know, if I go from my own experience, when I visit a big city and I have like a destination that I'm going to, maybe there's more people without homes than I'm used to, homeless people on the sidewalk. I don't stop and look at them. I don't make eye contact. I'm just going to be honest. I look straight ahead and I keep walking because I have a goal and I'm going to get there. And part of that's safety reasons. I mean, I've had people follow me before. That was very scary and I'm not interested in having that again. And what's interesting is if the disciples were possibly wanting to move past this, which I don't know if they were, but I'm just saying if I were there, I think I would want to. There would be a fear there as well because following the rules of the Old Testament would be keeping at a certain distance from these people. So there were some religious leaders at the time that would say, well, the Bible says to stay this far apart. Well, I'm doubling it. I'm tripling it because that's how holy I am. I'm extra holy. You're only staying that far apart. I'm staying this far apart. So Jesus moving towards them is scandalous on its own. Jesus acknowledging them and looking at them. I also wonder, too, if the disciples were like, why are we taking this detour? We have to go to Jerusalem. We're stopping at every distraction, Jesus. We're never going to get there. We have important work to do. Why are we stopping here? But what if, well, the disciples maybe were looking at the entrance of the city. Jesus was always looking at the lepers. Here we learn that we are called to offer God's love to everyone, including the marginalized. Earlier I spoke about my reaction to homeless people, and I'm sure it was very inspiring, and people are still recovering from (laughs) what a beautiful testimony I have there. Um, I just, I don't ever want to pretend that I've got this all figured out, (laughs) because I don't. Uh, And the truth is, God has been working over the last year or so to convict me about this. Well, he's probably been trying to convict me for a long time. But over the last year or so, maybe I'm starting to finally listen. 
So there are regularly people without homes who are here in the courtyard of Eastgate. And I'm here during the week, and I'm getting ready for church on Sunday, and there are people that they use this outlet that's literally right outside this wall. And they're sitting there, and they use the outlet to charge their phones. And generally, for the last 10, 12 years I've worked here, I don't make eye contact. I just keep walking. I would not look at them. I would not smile. And I was afraid. I would say 90% of that would be fear. And some people might say I'm very justified in that fear. And I appreciate that. But as I spent more time reading the Bible and learning about Jesus and learning about the Gospels, I kind of felt like, am I walking past the greatest ministry opportunity I have in order for something else? Here I am getting ready for church on Sunday morning, thinking that this is my biggest calling and ministry, and at the same time, week after week, passing by the very people Jesus has called me to love. Because here on Sunday morning, I feel safe. I'm not scared. I mean, it's scary to teach up here, but I'm not like, (laughs) my life doesn't feel threatened. I get attention. I get affirmation. People are very kind to me when I do this. Like, you did a great job. And I'm like, oh, it's nothing. (laughs) It's the least I could do. But helping this person outside of the building, well, I don't feel safe. I don't get praise. They're not like cheering me on like, you did it. You really helped me today. I don't get that affirmation, and I rarely get thanked. But over the last year or so, I've been determined to do better. Well, still keeping my safety in mind, you know, make sure there's people around. But I started with, I'm not joking, I started with just making eye contact. You know, I'm walking by, and I'm like, (laughs) and I get into the office like, oh, my gosh, I did it. (laughs) I'm changing the world. (laughs) You know, I'd upgrade this, the eye contact to a little smile, but sometimes my smile would be creepy because I'm like looking like, <laughs> Jesus sees you. And now they were scared of me and I was like, good, this is what was supposed to happen. <laughs> but I constantly asked myself, okay, I made eye contact, I smiled, I nodded, I'm still here to tell the tale. What else can I do? What's something else? And so now I will say, hey, are you hungry? We have food in the office. We, we have lots of fun snacks for people on staff and all. Like, put together a bag of fun snacks and drinks. At the height of COVID, I'd include a lot of masks and hand sanitizer, things that maybe they wouldn't always have access to. Sometimes I ask if they would like to use the restroom. I just do my best to offer as much respect as possible. I try to think of it. If this was Jesus sitting out here charging his phone, how would I treat him? And obviously, I'm unable to do this every single time I see somebody. And I'll say that it's a journey that nobody's really seen, nobody really knows about, but it's one that I'm really excited about. And I don't say this to say that I've got it all figured out, but I say this to say that everybody has biases, including the person who's standing up here. We all have biases in our lives that it's important for us to stop and examine what those are. Examine ways that maybe we might hopefully unintentionally be dehumanizing people. Maybe people in our lives that we know or people groups. The challenge from Jesus to us. It's a challenge and also an opportunity. 
is to look at these people. Look at them and offer compassion the same way that he did. I just think about what the world would look like if we did that. Okay, let's keep, uh, let's keep reading verses 15 through 16. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Okay, before I jump into all this, that last line where it says this man was a Samaritan, for the people reading it at that culture and at that time, that would have been a gasp moment, like, oh, scandalous. No, Samaritan. For us today, and or I guess for me personally, I don't think of Samaritan with a negative connotation. I'm way more familiar with the parable, the Good Samaritan. I'm also familiar with the charity Samaritan's Purse, and that is associated with Christ and, you know, caring for people. The world has turned this word around from what it was in Jesus' day, that we wouldn't automatically have this negative connotation with Samaritan. But that would kind of be acknowledging maybe their biases at that time. But I think that's actually great that we don't naturally have that, that we have to explain the Samaritan and the biases and that they would be considered marginalized people. I love that we don't really have to, we don't naturally think of Samaritan in that way, at least for me, because I think that's exactly what Jesus was going for. And it continues to reinforce his care for the marginalized people, including the Samaritans and including us. So as we said before, Jesus sent 10 lepers to go present themselves to the priest. And that goes right along with the rituals of the Old Testament and those laws. And as the 10 lepers were walking to the priest, I like to imagine, I like to imagine them walking. And maybe one looks down and sees that a scab that was there before is no longer there. I wonder that first time that, you know, where the fabric was covering open sores, maybe just don't want to get their hopes up. Maybe just take a little peek. Okay, I don't see a sore there. Is it possible? Is it possible all of me is clean? And maybe they go from that little peak to just realizing, okay, it's possible, and they look up and another leper's already torn everything. No, I'm clean. (laughs) I don't know if they realized all at once or just one at a time, but I imagine when they realized they were healed, I can't imagine how excited that must have been. How exciting that must have been for all of them. The joy and the screams and, oh my goodness, we have our life back. We just got freed from a life sentence in prison. We get to find our families. We get to find our kids. They now had the freedom to go wherever they wanted. And I ask myself, what would I want to do in that moment? Who would I want to go find? Who would I want to reach out to? I like to picture these 10 lepers and thinking about after seeing their healed, maybe are no longer walking, but are running. Maybe zooming in on those feet, imagining 10 pairs of feet running or skipping or hopping. And where nine continue to move in one direction, one pair of feet stops. One pair pivots and runs the other direction. It says that one one out of the ten, after seeing that they were healed, turned back and ran to Jesus. 
And we learn from this one that gratitude is the appropriate response to God's love. Responding with gratitude to Jesus is the best thing that we can do. And I know this isn't brand new information. I don't expect anyone to be like, wow, that was, I never knew that before. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting because last week ended with a parable uh, with Jesus sharing about having respect and gratitude and appreciation for our master. So he's describing what he wants to see, and right after that, we see that lived out. And we see that lived out by not a rabbi (laughs) who perfectly followed the law, not by a disciple who was living with Jesus. We see this lived out perfectly by an unclean leper who was a Samaritan. The perfect example of responding to God's love is shown by the very last person anyone there would expect. So that means that no matter what we do, no matter how far outside of God's graces we think we are, no matter how sure that we are too unclean to ever be made clean again. Jesus shows us here in these verses that he sees us. He has compassion on us. And what's called of, what's called of us is to respond with gratitude, acknowledgement for what God has done for us. I can't help but think of these sets of verses in contrast to the parable that Jesus said about the good shepherd. The parable was that a good shepherd who has 100 sheep, one goes missing, and when one goes missing, they leave the 99 to go and find that one. That's how important each one is to that shepherd. I think of that parable in contrast to today's story where 10 were offered Jesus and only one came back. There's always been an imbalance of God's love for us and our love for him. It's always been that way. But the good news is that God is faithful even when we're faithless. Let's keep going in verse 17 through 18. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Which kind of goes to the good shepherd, like he notices Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Oops. Don't learn that point yet. It's later. (laughs) You're not supposed to know anything about that yet. (laughs) Instead of running towards the direction of the priest they knew, instead of this man, this one man, running towards the direction of the priest he knew, he ran towards the direction of Jesus. And this moment is kind of an exciting moment because this is the moment where the worlds of the Old Testament and the world of the New Testament collide. This is the transition between the old way of being made clean and the new way of being made clean. Jesus told all ten men to go present themselves to the priests, and where nine went back to the way they were used to things being done, one made that change, and they went to the true high priest. 
the ultimate priest who at that very moment was fulfilling the law of the Old Testament. And so something we learn here is that it's only through Jesus that we're made right with God. The point of the law in the Old Testament was to help acknowledge right from wrong. It was to distinguish between clean and unclean. It was a plan to get reconciled with God and continue to move in the direction of who we were made to be. And now instead of going to the law to do those things, we go to Jesus to do those things. We go to Jesus to understand the difference between right and wrong. We go to Jesus to be made clean again. We go to Jesus to be reconciled with God. After healing this man, Jesus says, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, Jesus has already healed this man. And I don't see any sign that the other nine who didn't return lost their miracle. As I said before, God is faithful even when we're faithless. So what does he mean that your faith has healed you? What did Jesus heal in this man if it wasn't leprosy? The reality is, the men who were healed of leprosy but did not go to Jesus, they were no closer to being clean than when they had the leprosy. It's always been about a clean heart, not what's on the outside. Being clean on the outside and thinking that was enough is exactly why Jesus was frustrated with so many religious leaders at that time. The miracles, that God give, the miracles that God gives us is not what makes us right with God. The miracle is a blessing from God that we don't deserve, that I didn't earn. It's a beautiful answer to prayer, and it's a gift that I'm so thankful for. Having experienced miracles, I'm like, they're the best, and I'll take 10 more, please. And while those miracles of physical healing are amazing and wonderful, the true miracle is the healing that's done on the inside of our heart. The true miracle is that each one of us get to be made right with God. We get to be made right with God on the inside where it counts and in a way that no outside circumstance can take away from us. We don't have to find a priest or follow the strict law of the Old Testament, but we simply have to believe in Jesus and we're made clean. And I was just thinking about how that's so easy to say. But living that out can be challenging to remember that. I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking about how much pressure I put on myself when I come up here to teach. And people are normally like, yeah, we know Janelle. <laughs> you know, my dad is this amazing speaker. He's so talented. And to go up here and speak after he speaks sometimes, I just think I'm never going to be enough. And I put pressure on myself that this has to be the best teaching ever for what I do to matter. And I was just thinking, man, I, I want to let these words sink in for myself. That I could come up here and fail every single time and I'm still enough. 
And I, I don't say that to just make it all about myself. I say that I think we all have those places in our life where we put pressure on ourselves. But I'm thankful to God that I get to be clean on the inside in a way that nothing can take away. So as we leave here today, let's remember whether we need that reminder right now or whether we need it later, let's hold that in our hearts and remember that we are never too far gone for Jesus. We are never past the point of being made clean again. Let's remember that when we call out to Jesus, he hears us, he sees us, he has compassion on us. And let's take that compassion Jesus has given us and let's share that to the people around us, everyone around us, whether they've earned it or proven that they don't deserve it, every single one. Let's remember that the appropriate response, the appropriate response to God's gift is one of gratitude and appreciation. Let's remember that we're only made right with God through Jesus. It's through Jesus that we're offered this gift of everlasting life. We're offered a relationship that nothing can take away. And what's amazing is that Jesus wants a relationship with us. He wants that. That's not us chasing after him. That's him chasing after us. So I want to finish by reading the lyrics of this song, which I don't really do, but it's a song from a musical. Has anyone ever heard of Hamilton? (laughs) So I want to know if anyone here has never heard of COVID or Hamilton, just please talk to me. I have to know what your life is like. Um, But my husband was watching it the other day and I was listening to the words and one of the songs I felt like captured Jesus' heart for us. And, and it applied with this story in his heart for the lepers and his heart for us. So the song, Hamilton's pregnant wife is singing to Hamilton. And she's begging him not to go back off to war and search for success and in search for this great legacy. She's saying, stay home with me. So if you're familiar with the musical, I imagine you'll be singing these words in your head as I speak them. But I, again, I just felt like this captured Jesus' heart. And it says, we don't need a legacy. We don't need money. If I could grant you peace of mind, if you could let me inside your heart. Oh, let me be a part of the narrative and the story they will write someday. Let this moment be the first chapter where you decide to stay. And I could be enough. And we could be enough. That would be enough. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time we get to spend with you. We thank you for your presence here in this building. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for encouraging us to love others. We appreciate your kindness and compassion and we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all stand. Let's end with a end with a song.